Well, turn in your Bible to Luke uh, chapter 24, which is hopefully a very familiar passage to you. It's a very important passage. I think you could argue the most important passage in all of the Bible. And it's about the resurrection. So take a minute to, uh, to read this sitting down and think about it. Take it in. Soak in this story um, in the power of it. In Luke 24, beginning in verse 1, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb. So imagine that. Jesus had been crucified, placed in a tomb, and they went thinking Him still dead, took spices that they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how He told you while He was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered His words. They remembered His words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the, to the apostles, but these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping, and looking in, he saw the linen cloths lying by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. He went home marveling. When was the last time you marveled at the message of Jesus Christ, at the person, at the work, at the promises of Jesus Christ. Our sermon challenge today and our, our message is titled, Living Above Sin's Curse. Uh, and so our sermon and challenge today is people either live under sin's curse or above sin's curse. And I worded it that way to make you think about a couple weeks ago, we talked about Jesus walking on water. And so Jesus was in the water, but he was above it, wasn't he? He was walking on it. Um, and as Peter got in the water, he walked a little bit of, oh, he walked a few steps, but then he sunk because he looked away from Jesus. And so think about the sin's curse that we all live in. We're either under it, and it controls everything that we do. Uh, and every decision we make is affected by the curse. Or we've risen through the power of Jesus Christ. Just as He conquered death, when He rose from the dead, He conquered sin's curse. And like Peter, sinking in the water, we can reach out to Him and be pulled above sin's curse. To where lives are changed, our thought processes change the way we respond to trouble and hardship and all these things change because we're no longer under sin's curse, but we're set free. When you're under sin's curse, no amount of good works can get you out of that. You're drowning. 
And you only have a limited amount of time before it's over. And that's life in this human body without Jesus. Without salvation. Without His sacrifice for us on the cross. There's no one to save us from the curse of sin. And the consequences of sin's curse. We are drowning as a society under sin's curse. And only Jesus has the power to lift us out of it. To lift us above sin's curse. And if we decide to live under sin's curse willingly, we will be crushed. If we decide to live under sin's curse and say, I don't want to get out of it, which is unfortunately where a lot of people are. They like it under there. That's where they want to be. That's where their friends are. That's where they know. That's the world they know. And they don't want to get out of it. They don't want to be raised above. They want to stay right where they are. And just like somebody underwater, there's only a limited time before you're out. You only have a few minutes underwater before you drown. And you only have a few years under sin's curse before your decision is made and you reject God and you spend eternity separated from God forever. And so that's something deep to think about. In Luke 20, 17-18, Jesus looked directly at them and said, what then, is, what then is this that is written? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. If we reject the Son of God, we will be crushed. Those that rise up against Jesus will be crushed. His enemies will be crushed. It's all the way in Genesis. It says that Jesus will crush the serpent's head. And so that's something for us to think about and remember. We are under sin's curse. And you only have a limited amount of time before it's all over. Are we reaching out for salvation? Our next point today is people living above sin's curse. And I wanted to put that in parentheses to remember it's by grace through faith that we rise above sin's curse. And that faith must be in the risen Savior Jesus Christ. But people living above sin's curse will be saved. No one under sin's curse will be saved. That curse had to be lifted. Jesus had to pay for the, the price with His blood for that curse to be lifted. He had to live the perfect life in a human body. He had to pay and sacrifice Himself for us. And by believing in Him by grace through faith, we will be saved. No other way. We will drown in our sin. We will drown under sin's curse. We will be forever separated from God unless Jesus Christ pulls us out, lifts us above sin's curse. And so I want to challenge you to think deeply about the resurrection of Jesus. I want you to think deeply about that. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, 
7 through 9, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Jars of clay are fragile. You wouldn't want to carry something explosive or something uh, of value that could be easily broken in a jar of clay, would you? Because it could be easily broken, but we are jars of clay. And we have great treasure within us. And what the reason God gave us these bodies uh, that, that, that struggle the way they do uh, is so that the surpassing power of God that belongs to God, that it shows us that. Uh, that God's power, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Because we are in Christ. We are perplexed. There's a lot of things we don't understand. But in Christ, by faith, we're not driven to despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're struck down, but not destroyed. That's the power of the resurrected Savior in our lives that helps us and empowers us to live with hope in the midst of a world that's cursed by sin. In a world that's drowning under the curse of sin, we can have hope in these jars of clay. We can express the power of God. So I want to challenge you today, are you living under sin's curse? Or are you living above sin's curse through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ? And if you've never thought about sin's curse, it's probably like that frog in the water. The frog's in the water and the water's just warm, but as they turn up the water, it gets hotter and hotter and the frog doesn't realize how hot it's getting until the frog is dead. And that's we're born in sin. And we don't see it and we don't understand it. We get so used to it. People can get so used to terrible circumstances and situations, they don't even notice the smells. They don't even notice the hurt anymore. They're just numb to it all. And so if you're not recognizing or seeing sin curse around you, it's very likely you're like that toad in the water, that frog in the water. And you need to wake up and you need to see that God didn't create things to be like this. And God has a better plan and a better way. Are you living under sin's curse? Or are you living above sin's curse? Through His resurrection power. Through His, not through religion. Not through your own works or ways or anything you've done. Through the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. We need His power to live above sin's curse. So the key to living above sin's curse is found in one word. And it's simple. It's that word believe. We might want it to be more complicated than that. We want it to be more complex. It can't be that easy. But it's found in that word believe. Do you believe? That Jesus has conquered the curse through His resurrection. If you don't believe in the resurrection, you are not saved. That's our hope. That's our salvation. We've got to believe in the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, and that His death on the cross conquered the curse. And His resurrection is the proof of it. Do you believe that He's conquered the curse? Through His resurrection power. And then our second point, do you believe only Jesus can conquer sinful hearts through the power of His Word? 
As this story picks up in Luke 24, look at verse 13. And you see the power of the Word of God. Jesus has risen from the dead. And He meets two men that were going to a play to a village called Emmaus. And they were about seven miles from Jerusalem. So imagine, here's Jesus risen from the dead. They were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. So they were talking about Jesus being crucified. They were talking about where they put Him, all these different things. It says in verse 15, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus Himself drew near and went with them. How awesome is that? Here comes Jesus. Verse 16, but their eyes were kept from recognizing Jesus. And He said to them, what is this? conversation that you're holding with each other as you talk and they stood still looking sad then one of them named Cleopas answered are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days like what's wrong with you man where you been you've been living under a rock and he said to them what things And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, Some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find His body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that He was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but Him they did not see. And He said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe, all that the prophets has spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into His glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He interpreted to them all the Scriptures, uh, in the Scriptures, all the things concerning Himself. All the things concerning Himself. So they drew near to the village which they were going. He acted as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it's toward the evening and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while He talked to us on the road, while He opened to us the Scriptures. Did not our hearts burn within us? Do you believe Jesus has the power to conquer sinful hearts? And He uses the Word of God through the power of His Word. Jesus could have talked to Him about anything. He could have talked to Him about creating 
elephants or clouds or all the different things he'd ever done or ever said, but he didn't do that. He used the Word of God. He talked to them about all the things beginning with Moses and the prophets. And he interpreted all those Scriptures for them, showing them everything points to Him. Everything points to Jesus Christ. And God uses His Word to change hearts and lives. And you may think, well, I could do it better. I'm going to do this or... You can't do it. There's no power outside of the Word of God. If Jesus used God's Word to change hearts and lives, we've got to use God's Word. And if God's Word's not changing your heart and your life, it's because you're under. You're under the curse. And and you haven't reached out. You've got to respond to the Word of God. Has your heart burned within you? While you study the Word and you learn what God has said and what God has done and what God is going to do. Do you believe only Jesus can conquer sinful hearts through the power of His Word? Don't stop using His Word. Use it. Memorize it. Quote it. Figure out ways to put it into conversations. You don't have to be a preacher But you can use the truth. You don't have to quote every place it's at, but use God's Word. Have it so in you that it's coming out of you as you speak and as you help people and as you counsel with people and talk to people. The power of God's Word is there to change human hearts and to change lives and to help people that are drowning in sin. All they've got to do is reach out to Jesus and be saved. Just reach out, respond, and be saved. And then do you believe that Jesus can conquer doubt through the power of relationship? Do you believe that Jesus can conquer? I know there's a lot of doubters out there, and you may have doubt in your own heart. And that's not always a bad thing if doubt draws us closer to God and we take that doubt to God and say, help me. We watched a, a documentary about Billy Graham. He even went through a struggle where he, his friends were doubting the Word of God. And, uh, and he went through this period of, of, of wrestling with that. And he finally just came to it. I'm going to believe the Word of God by faith. Just like I received Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord by faith. And I'm going to preach it and I'm going to trust Him. And God transformed America and, and used Him in, in, you know, all throughout the world because He saw Jesus Christ conquer doubt through a relationship. And we see that picking up this story in verse 33. So these guys, they, they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were gathered together saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them, or uh, yeah, how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood there among them and said to them, Peace to you. Peace. To you. Maybe you need to hear that today. Peace to you, the voice of Jesus. But they were startled and frightened 
And they thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Why are you troubled? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a flesh does not, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. He's saying, that's pretty relational, isn't it? Touch me. Look. Here's my scars. If you show somebody your scars, that's pretty intimate. Touch me. That's pretty intimate. That's a relationship. See that I'm here. See that, yes, they beat me beyond human recognition. Yes, they nailed me to that cross. Yes, I wore a crown of thorns. And they spit on me and they cursed me. And they stabbed me with a spear. And yes, I'm here. Alive and with you. I'm not some ghost. I'm a person. I'm here. I have a resurrected body. In verse 40, And when He had said this, He showed them His hands and His feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy, it was just too good to be true, were marveling. And He said to them, Have you anything to eat? They gave Him a piece of fish, a piece of broiled fish, and He took it and He ate it before them. And so we see the intimacy and we see the relationship there. And Jesus will conquer your doubt, but it won't be by sending some sign from heaven. It won't be from uh, you know, some miraculous appearance, more, most likely. It could be, I guess, if God wanted to do that. It'll be through a relationship. It'll be through you reaching out for salvation and and for you living in the grip of Jesus Christ, letting Him hold you and care for you and transform your heart and your life. But do you believe that Jesus can conquer doubt through the power of relationship? I want to challenge you this week to spend some time in looking at Hebrews 11 and chapter 11 and Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. And we're not going to study all that, so don't worry. But I want you to think about it, and I want to talk about it a little bit. But what does it mean to believe? To rise above? To believe in things that people below, that if you imagine, they, they can't see what's above. They just don't get it. Why do you believe the Bible? Why do you go to church? Why do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And uh, why do you not do all the things that we do or do all the things that, that the Bible says do not do? And more and more, that's going to separate you in today's world. If you truly live according to the Word of God, people are going to be like, you're crazy, what's wrong with you? Why don't you do all these things or act like we do or care about the worldly things that we care about? And it's going to be because you believe. You've risen. You're, you're in Christ. You're above. Not in, a, not in a prideful, arrogant way like, oh, we're above you, but something has happened in your life. Jesus has shown you a new way. 
in a new truth in Him and a life in Him. And so faith, we learn in Hebrews, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. To believe is to have assurance in what the Bible tells us to put our hope in. And to be convicted means we believe it with all our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength that yes, we haven't seen Jesus Christ with our eyes. We're not blessed like the apostles in that way that they could touch Him and and, and experience His resurrected body. And so though we haven't seen Him, we are convicted. We know that He is real. And we believe in things that we have not seen so much so that we're willing to die that we're willing to sacrifice that we're willing to do whatever God calls us to do that's what it is to believe and you see that in Hebrews 11 it wasn't by religious duty it wasn't by any anything else celebrity or bank accounts, or good looks, or charm, or talent. or It was by faith that these people did all these things. Abel, and Abraham, and Enoch, and all these Old Testament people. By faith, it says over and over again, by faith, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. By faith, Noah, warned by God concerning events, uh, he, uh, he constructed the ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to leave his home and go to a new place. By faith, Sarah received power to conceive. They died. They did these things by faith and they died in faith. By faith, Abraham again offered up Isaac on the altar. By faith, Jacob blessed. By faith, Moses did all these things. All these people lived by faith. So I want to challenge you today to believe. Do you want to be alive in Christ? You've got to believe to be alive in Christ. You've got to be willing to rise above, to, to reach out and let Jesus pull you out of sin and out of darkness and out of doubt and out of despair or even out of a love of the things of the world. Pull you out and lift you up. Believe to be alive in Christ. It is by faith, by grace, through faith that we are saved, not our works. Believe to belong to the family of God. You've got to believe to belong, to truly belong to the family of God. And that's such an important thing. We're all searching for that safety and that security that comes from being part of something. <clears throat> and I want to challenge you today. You can be part of nothing better than to be in the family of God. To have a church family, a local church family that you connect with, 
and that you have deep relationships in, that you serve alongside others, but bigger than that, to belong to the family of God. You've got to believe in the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and the greatness in chapter 11 of all these people is faith. By faith, not by strength, not by intellectual knowledge or wisdom or big brains or whatever. By faith, these cloud of witnesses surround us. So what are we to do? Lay aside every weight and sin that so easily entangles us. When I think about that, 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 that verse, I think about someone in seaweed. They're, they're trapped in the ocean. They're entangled in seaweed and, uh, and, and they're pulled every which way and they just can't get out of it. And that's what sin wants to do. And we've got to lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us. We've got to believe that God is better than that sin that we keep going back to. And trust in Him and get free from it by reaching out to Jesus. Lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us. We've got to believe to keep running with endurance. Believe to keep running with endurance. It says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Bill, we were talking about endurance and he was saying, I hate it. I hate endurance, right? You don't hate watermelon or ice cream. You don't have to endure to go eat Mexican food after church today. You're not like, oh gosh. But a lot of times when it comes to putting God first, growing, studying Scripture, spending time in prayer, it takes endurance. It's difficult. And we've got to believe that it's worthwhile. You're not going to have a quiet time with God and set aside time that you could be doing something else fixing something, building something, making money. You're not going to spend time with God unless you believe it's more important to be with Him. Unless you believe it and trust in Him. That is let us run with endurance. It's going to be hard, but yet we've got to believe. And we've got to see the value in it. Believe to keep looking to Jesus. Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. Jesus believed. He knew that even though the cross, He had to despise the shame, He would be seated at the right hand of the throne of God and He would provide salvation to millions that would believe. And so we've got to keep looking to Jesus. But you're not going to believe. It's unless you're not going to keep looking to Him unless you believe. Unless you put your trust in Him. And you truly believe. It's, you're not going to keep going back to a doctor unless you believe they're helping. You're not going to keep taking a medicine or doing anything else unless you believe it helps and it's healing and, and it's what you need. And so we've got to keep believing. 
keep looking to Jesus. We've got to believe so that we don't grow weary or faint hearted. Consider Him, verse 3, who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. It's so easy to grow weary and faint hearted in this world cursed by sin, in a body that's cursed by sin. How do we live above that? The weariness and the faint heartedness, how do we rise above it? Believe. Consider Jesus. Look to Jesus for the joy that was set before Him. He knew beyond this life, beyond what you know, He could see in His human body, He was willing for the joy that was set before Him to endure the cross. To despise the shame. He knew that it was going to be a shameful thing to become my sin and to become your sin on the cross and be punished in our place. Yet He did it. He was willing to do it. So don't grow weary or faint-hearted. Are you living above this curse of sin by believing in a sense Walking on water. In a sense, if you're living for Christ, you're walking on water every day of your life. Preaching and sharing the hope of the Gospel with people that are drowning in sin. And a lot of them don't care. And they don't even want to know or think about it. But the consequences are life and death. Will you die cursed in folly? Will you die cursed in folly? Foolishness. Psalms 14.1 says, For the fool says in their hearts, there is no God. The fool says in their heart, there is no God. They're drowning in sin. And they don't care. There's no God and they can't see it because they're surrounded by the curse of sin and unwilling to cry out for help, to cry out for salvation. Or will you die full of faith in the One who conquered the curse of sin? Will you die full of faith? We all have a limited amount of time. And will we die in folly? Or will we die in faith? We challenge you today to choose Jesus. Look to Him. Believe in Him. Trust in Him with all your heart, in all your soul, in all your mind, in all your strength. Are you living under sin's curse? Or have you allowed Jesus to pull you above to salvation? Will you be crushed by the Savior? Or will you be cured and saved and and healed and whole by choosing Jesus? Let's pray together. God, we come before You now to invite You to work powerfully as we close this service. God, if those here are lost and drowning in sin and haven't reached out to believe in You, 
I pray today would be a day of salvation. A day they respond and turn to You. Throw up their arms and say, Save me, Lord Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. I believe in You today. God, if there's someone here today that needs to pray that prayer, help them, empower them right now to be saved from their sin. As we close today as believers, God, help us to see if sin has easily entangled us, if we're growing weary and faint-hearted. Fill us with hope today. Fill us with belief today as we close this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.